on this computer. We're off. Liam, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. 8 a.m., but um, early starter. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. We both, we both do early starts, I think. You mm. get used to them. You get very, very used to them once you've been doing them for a while. We were just, yep. uh, we're just chatting. I was trying to work out, like you said, to where you live in London now, but where you've actually been for the last few years. Because I, I follow you on Instagram. It looks like you've been everywhere and everywhere. So tell, tell me, what, what's been going on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm in northwest London. And do you know what? So I moved back into this place. Um, my tenants moved out probably middle of May. And it's the first time I've hung clothes up in two years. <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah it's crazy but um yeah where have i been do you know what dude where like where haven't i been um i ended up doing 170 flights last year jesus and that's not like that's not like connecting flight that's not like you know if you're flying to australia it's like london to bangkok bangkok to australia. like i counted that as one yeah literally like see so yeah, it's probably more like 230 240 but um yeah so the answer to your question is everywhere, um, but I was I was living in the states, so that um, it makes it easy to fly domestically. Yeah. Um, well, talk but, talk uh, us through it. Like, where where did you start? Well, to be fair, when you left the last time I spoke to you properly, I think you were at Shuttle, and I could be wrong. Yep. Talk us through um, like what's been going on since then, because I have I have no idea other than the fact that I know you've launched or been involved in several different types of businesses doing different types of stuff. Yeah. Um. So Shuttle was a, um, was a business that eBay purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was an eBay employee um, and I was there probably three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, it was during my time at eBay that I started doing my own thing. So Catalyst, which is the business that makes clothing brands for celebrity influencers. Yep. Um, which is going great guns. So Mark Wright's app fitness app launched yesterday and there's you know there's yeah there's all sorts of cool stuff going on um you build products for for celebrities basically like yeah yeah exactly so um notable clients i suppose jesse lingard so he's got jay lings which is banned um patrice everett's got i love this game um gorillas merchandise like it's been a whole it's a whole mix um filter by molly may which is the lady that won love island her fake tan um so a whole a whole variety of different things and do you know what the interesting story so i spoke to um i spoke to Nitin passy right. who's the chap that started misguided um, oh, yeah. and we were talking about using influencers and he was like ah oh, when influencers learn how to make their own brands i reckon we could get, we're in for a bumpy ride and i was like <laughs> why can't they like it's really easy like you it find is. the manufacturer you go on shopify you, you know, you've got a brand. And I make a joke now that um, you're not an entrepreneur if you've got a Herbalife contract and you've got your own t-shirt company. Like, the, <laughs> the, the definite, because, because digital's activated so many people, like, you're not an influencer. Um, sorry, you're not a, an entrepreneur if you've just used those two things. So, yeah. anyway. Um, and so I was like, okay, wh- why don't we actually just make it? Like, why don't we go to people and say, we'll do all the stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah. And then you can say that you're the CEO. Um, and you do the thing that's actually most difficult and you do the marketing and everybody's becoming disenfranchised with influencers flogging stuff. And I say, I use flogging like quite, I use it intentionally because if you see one brand one day, one brand the next day, it loses its, um, loses its potency. So, um, you know, people creating their own brands and the big celeb endorsements. So like, you know, Fenty by Puma and, um, Ivy Park, which was, which was Beyonce's. 
yeah. Ivy Park was the most um, profitable business in the Arcadia group. And it was like 20 people and, you know, more profitable than all the other units. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely had some fun in that space. So at eBay started that. Um, I went to a business that was, uh, that was started by a friend of mine, a guy called Chris Griffin, who started like global gathering in God's Kitchen back in the day. Like he's, you know, he's been in the mix. Nice. Um, and he... His story is quite interesting, actually. Mm. Just, a, just a quick summary of him. Yeah. So he, um, he's become one of my best friends. I was at his house in Cornwall last week, like, you know, good friends. He, um, he was on eBay selling more Superdry product than Superdry. Um, so he was... So, in the last few years. Superdry had a bit of a bumpy period, didn't they? Yeah, so this was probably 2012 that he did that. And then he said to Superdry, look, I should probably run your e-com. <laughs> and he got the job, right? He's from Jonah, he got the job. And um, so then he said, like, they were saying, why isn't wholesale growing? Like, why aren't you, um, why is e-com flying but wholesale isn't? And he was basically saying that if you get somebody to predict in six months what products are going to sell, and then you have a wholesale buy, so you say, right, these products are um, going to sell in six months. We need to know how many of which size, how many of which color. We then need to hold them in a warehouse. He was like, why can't we drop ship? onto marketplaces. So he then put um, Superdry onto Zalando. It's like the German ASOS is one way of describing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, he put them onto there, but he, he had them drop shipping. So order happens on Zalando for Superdry. Superdry send it to you in Zalando packaging and you never know. Yeah. But they're pulling from their central stock pool. They don't have to allocate stock onto Zalando. So yeah. it's way leaner. So they can, they can trade like daily rather than seasonally if stuff's not selling they can just pull it off or push it on so um that business that business uh well that idea became a business which then got funded jointly by Superdry and Zalando um so after eBay I joined that business um was that, was that more around the logistical planning side of things as opposed to like what was the actual crux of the company Is it that structure? you know what so yeah, it's so a software business, but it was logistical planning came into it, but it was more about um, changing wholesale. Yeah, because wholesale is so outdated. You, you're basically asking someone to predict what's going to sell in six months based on fairly limited information. So I, I never um, knew all this stuff. I have to say because I'm in a I'm in a, a sort of it's not really a retail business to be fair, but we've got I've got an investment in a company which is selling stuff like product and it's all yeah. demand. I mean, so it's it's all fulfilled in that way. But I hadn't realised well, forever, that retail companies are literally doing that. They create these fast fashion brands lines and they have to yeah. buy stock up front, store it, you know, on the assumption that it's going to sell and then yeah. work out how to do it, basically, based on lots of different modeling. Uh, it, it sounds like it was, well, it sounds so antiquated, it's unbelievable. But that that you know, is reality, right? Yeah, and it is. And so one of the projects that I did at that business was House of Fraser was moving, they were closing down their warehouses. They were like, actually, what? Like, why would we buy this stock? tie up capital you know um the space in the warehouse we're, at, we're actually guessing what's going to sell <clears throat> excuse me so one of the projects that i did was moving everything out of house of phrases warehouse and back into the brands um interesting so yeah retail and e-com is my world so i got um last year i got an o1 visa to the states which is apparently quite difficult to get but that was for retail and e-com yeah, like a 190 page application and really? you know, letter, letter from every CEO I've ever worked for. And um, so that was, uh, yeah, I suppose a proud moment. The woman, the woman, the, um, uh, the attorney that was helping me, she was like, so basically there's business, sports and the arts. So like David Beckham for sports, 
um, this is what he'd have. And Ricky Gervais, you know, for the arts, this is what he'd have. And she was talking about me for business. And I was like, that's really kind of you. That's I don't really it was yeah, that's generous. Um, yeah. no, that's cool. Yeah. I think it's so, any, any place like America, even here, if you've got a specific talent in the space that they want to build, you know, expertise for people in they'll grant these visas they just make it a bit difficult we've we've got them over here for like tech and ppc and all sorts of other stuff so that is cool though it's tough to get one so that's that's amazing you managed to break through yeah um i, I think maybe just some good planning on behalf of the attorney and collating the information nicely so i was in i was in that business um it got sold to zalando zalando obviously going to acquire it um and then after that i went to i was at retail week for for a six month stint. Mm-hmm. So Retail Week, uh, like retail industry news owned by Essential, excuse me, which is a big group. Yep. Um, and that was, um, that was different. I'd known the Retail Week business because of being in retail for years. So I was, um, it was like going to work with some old friends. It yeah. was really, really nice. And to be in a, a business that still had editors, you know, there was a news desk. Was was super fun. Old school. Um, feels old. Yeah. School. Not old school, but it feels like it is. I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. But they, you know, there was amazing businesses in there. So WGSN, for example, is like mm-hmm. a, a retail insights business, and they do. Apple were asking them to do some modelling on pocket sizes because they were predicting the size of the iPhone and what they'd need to build in five years' time based on the size of people's pockets changing. Uh-huh. You don't, and, and actually, in, when I went over, Apple's fascinating. When I went over. When I was in the States, I went to Apple's HQ and there was a team and it was like 50 people that just work on the shaking. So when you delete an app, yeah. that, that whole mechanism is 50. And you think it's ridiculous, but you know, actually so many people around the world use these things. They've got to get it right. They've got to get it right. I, th- I think one thing that people underestimate for a lot of brands, I mean, Apple's probably the prime example, but just lots of businesses, how much R&D goes into creating whatever the end product actually is like the experience, like you said, that you want to drive and the feel, whether it's physical, whether it's on a piece of software, whatever it may be, like the R&D like, and level of work people go into thinking about it, the, the more you do it, the better the end product. So like the pocket thing is fascinating to me because I mean, I would have never have thought that, but then now you've said it, it's like, well, that's just, it is very obvious. They have to consider these things really, yeah. really seriously at the end of the day. Because like you said, that they're, they're used by millions and millions of people. God, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't believe. Yeah, I I geek out on things like um, like all the the gaming apps on your phone and like the, you know the uh, the terminals in betting shops. And when you press the button, the sound that it makes and it encourages you. Yep. Um, yeah, all that stuff. Casinos are brilliant at that stuff. Like you oh, know, danger zone. Yeah, we've all been trapped. We've all been trapped in casinos, my friend. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Especially if you've been into Vegas in the states. That's so yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. Dude, do you know what? I was going like twice a month. Um, when I was in the States, because really? yeah, I, I'll get onto the US adventure like, shortly. But um, so I, I did that thing at Retail Week, and then um, there was a chap who I worked with at eBay, and we had we had breakfast every other Friday, mm. and he um, he said, "Oh, you know, I just started working with this company in the States, and you know, they'd like someone to run international expansion for them." Um, so it was an MD role, mm-hmm. and um, he was like, "I think you're right, and I think they'd really like you." I was like, I mean, shit, okay. He said, um, they're, they, they're in Ibiza this weekend over nice. from the States. I was like, okay. So I actually just booked to go to Ibiza this morning because I was going to Ibiza tons because of the like 
Cassis music thing and like, right. I, I, I'm, the music world is one I'm interested in, which I'll get onto, which is yeah. a new business that launches on Friday, but that's, we'll go further down the track. Yeah, really. um, <clears throat> so I flew over, uh, got on with the guys. The next week they flew me over to the US for two weeks to meet the team. And there's like 370 people in the company at this point, 70 million turnover. So it's not insignificant. Yeah, um, I came back to the UK and a week later I moved to San Francisco and that was uh, September 18 September um, still a couple of years ago then yeah yeah um so that was that and then I moved over and then and then and then the craziness started but during when I've had these roles I've been doing my own things alongside yeah. them yeah and do you know what I said some one of my bosses I can't remember who it was they said I said to them look I'm going to be doing stuff in my evenings and they were like look to be honest if you weren't you'd be learning German or you'd, you know you'd be doing something so it we don't care difference. that it's a distraction so it, doesn't it makes no difference yeah and yeah. to be honest nowadays we have this thing internally we don't we don't talk about it a lot actually at content cal but the thing is people are going to do stuff in their free time like you said whether it's yeah doing a language class going to the gym whatever it's going to be so if you start a side hustle Good, good, good for you at the end of the day. You know what I mean? You're still learning new stuff. You're making a bit more money on the side, as long as it doesn't roll into the actual job. But nowadays, jobs can be done in any hour of any day to a certain extent, depending on the role. So, like, the world's changed so much on that front. If anybody works for anybody that says, so you can't do something like a side hustle, like an e-com store, whatever it may be, I just wouldn't work there, you know? I just wouldn't go into that environment because it's, it's, that's a negative state, basically. It doesn't work. Yeah, and, and I don't understand how, um, like, so you know how some companies will move people around departments so they can get, you know, cross-functional teams and that whole piece. And the, the what that drives is, you know, considering things from other people's point of view. Yeah. To, to try and restrict people to, to not do other things in their own time is so short-sighted because people learn more and people experience more and they can bring that to their role. So it's just, exactly. it's just silly. It's crazy. Um, so before you go on to the rest of the America story, how did you find living in San Francisco? It's one of my favorite places on earth. Like I absolutely love it there. How, how long did you live there and how did you find it? Um, so I lived there for a year. Yeah. Um, all, I suppose I couldn't really immerse myself in it all that much because I was traveling so much. Right. Um, so how, how did I find San Francisco? It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and... I ride motorbikes. So to be near Yosemite and Big Sur and, you know, Marin, which is just above the Golden Gate Bridge and all these places was unbelievable for that. Did you go on, um, some, did you go on some good cruises? I'm going you on a bike. We did it in a big car when we went over a couple of years ago, but I imagine driving on a bike, that would be epic, basically. Do you know what? And, do you know what? And weirdly, I got into country music. And I say weirdly, I got into country music. I, I, really, I really now like country music. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's talking about, um, like, loving people well and for the right reasons and drinking whiskey like it's pretty cool <laughs> nothing wrong with that yeah exactly. yeah exactly and so i i every free day i had um there's a thing called eagle rider which is a place where you can hire harleys and yeah. um, i'd get this bike that had speakers all the way around the front yeah, and like cool. behind you and i'd put country music on and i would drive <laughs> down the pacific highway and i'm riding along and thinking like I've, I've thought this a couple of times. Like, I'm just a kid from Tring. Like, what am I doing on this what motorbike? Doing, yeah. Cruising down with the sea on one side and mountains on the other. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it, But the, the bit that frustrates me about San Francisco is it's a lot. I, speak, I spoke to a ton of people when I was there about what it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and because of the tech influence, and I was one of those people, so there was an irony to this, but because so many people moved in for technology, it sort of stripped away some of the soul of it. 
Yeah. Um, and then the homelessness is desperately, desperately sad. And it's bad, though. It's the worst I've ever, well, it's the worst I've ever seen in a developed country. Put it that way. Yeah. Well, exactly that. And the thing that made me most sad is if you hear someone scream in the street. So someone who's mentally ill and homeless, and you know, there's obviously a link between the two in a large number of cases. But um, people don't even turn around, and they say it's a homeless, and you I just know. think, come on, and you know. Um, so desperately sad. There's, I think there's a big responsibility for the technology companies and some of them have started to put their hand up because by paying people what they pay people, they drive out locals mm. because they increase the cost of rent. So um, there's a big responsibility with the tech companies to do more. I, agree. I hope they do. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the one thing that I realized in talking to locals there, whether they're people who have come for tech or whether they're people that have lived there for a long time, like for all the benefits that it's created in the world, all the, like you said, the amazing jobs, all these amazing brands and businesses, like San Francisco as a town has been somewhat tainted on that front because to rent, I mean, it makes London look cheap, which is crazy. <laughs> it's obnoxious. I remember when I first got there, I got a coffee and I was like, are you, are you having a laugh? <laughs> it is. It's really, really expensive. It is. But it's, I think the other thing is, is that you kind of, I think that some of the places that you get in America actually you don't get elsewhere, particularly like San Francisco, where you can have this, incredible like work city effectively you know it is this massive yeah. piece as you say but it's also one of the most beautiful amazing places you can be and it's except like where it's accessible to like you said yosemite napa valley go down to la you can fly i mean you can yeah. fly from so many places from there it's very unique in that aspect that it has the ability to give you stuff that you can go and enjoy and experience as if it was like a european city to a certain extent but it also mm -hmm. has like these career focused massive beer moth businesses and it has all the money i mean it has all you know the concentration of capital there is just insane so i feel like it has europe, all the money europe is missing that europe doesn't have a place i mean it has places with lots of cash but it seems to be it's always more tourist driven if it's sunny and delightful kind of thing if it's a lovely place then it is you know you don't get the two cities combined where it's very businessy plus just amazing to actually be there if you know what i mean sure you know, that's that's a really interesting point i hadn't i hadn't considered it like that um, yeah, I mean, I actually prefer New York, oh, yeah. um, for that oh. world just, and I've neglected going there, but then obviously when I was over there, I, I was visiting quite a bit, you know, investors and whatever, yeah. and, um, just blew me away. It's one New of the most beautiful, incredible, exciting, vibrant cities. And I just I fell in love with the place. Really, really good for in love with it. I've been once to New York for three days and even leading up to it, I was like, I know I'm going to like this place. Like I love London. I love living in London. I would definitely want to go and I've never lived anywhere else. So I'd love to go and explore, live in other places. But yeah. when I went to New York, I just felt this immediate connection with the place. So I was like, this is where stuff happens. It has that hustle and bustle vibe. But there's yeah. good people there, like you said, and it is beautiful in its different way. Obviously, it's very concretey, but buildings are amazing, and there's tons to do. I, I I know what you mean. I get a buzz about thinking about that place. I had so much fun in the three days I was there. But like you said, I neglect going back. I need to go back. And like I need to book more trips there. Yeah, dude, and it's it's easy to get to. It doesn't take long at all. Exactly. Like, yeah. I've 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 unfortunately had to do things like dinners where I've, I've flown to New York and then flown back from London. Uh, it's that easy. It's yeah. like it's like driving to. I don't know, Newcastle. It and is. You, you do that and you'd come back the next day. So true. Know why. Yeah. And the world's a very small place now, my friend. The world is a very small uh, place. That's so true. That's so true. So going back to your so your staff, so I'm trying to like triangulate it then. So 2018, you're living in San Francisco doing that gig, but then I'm assuming that's when uh, you, I don't know, gone went full time into whatever you're doing now, which is whatever it is. Tell us about it. So, so I, 
it's not as easy as that. It's really not. So I, I got to, <clears throat> so basically the business decided that it didn't want um, to expand internationally. It wanted to focus on the US. The business was a, a shipping and logistics software play. Yeah. And it had a really tight relationship with the USPS, which is like the Royal Mail in, uh, in the US. It was like, look, we're going to focus on that. Um, <clears throat> we know that we can make this business what we want to make it with the relationship with the USPS, close links to the current administration, um, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, and on that basis, they, they said that international wasn't actually where they wanted to put their focus because it required a lot of investment. Um, so that finished in September last year. Mm-hmm. They were like, look, come to the States and work on it, or you can, you can do your own thing. Yeah. Um, so, and, and things have started, you know, obviously Catis going really well. I had some other big ideas and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take some time away. Um, so I went to, I went to Australia for like, I think it was three and a half, four months, but I did two weeks in Thailand on the way out doing Muay Thai fighting. And I did three weeks on the way back, um, which was a cross, a residential CrossFit camp, which I adored. Um, and then I got back in the middle of, February, uh, about the 10th of February, I think I got back. And then my friend's tour, his UK Academy uh, music tour yeah. was happening. Um, and then lockdown started. So I'm <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> hey, what's, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about the time off, because I haven't done that. And that, that what you've just described is basically, I mean, I'm not sure when I'll be able to do it because I'm so tied into lots of stuff at the moment. But like yeah. that three to four months time of basically being completely free something i'm absolutely craving and you'd still dabble i'm sure you dabbled along the whole way and stuff that you needed to because that's just the way life is but like yep. tell me about what drove you to do that and you know how much fun was it what, what was it like also switching off for that period like you said doing stuff that you love like if it's muay thai fighting like crossfit stuff tell me about it how did you come to that conclusion how was the experience so if, if i go back a long way mm. like when i was younger i wanted to be a rugby player and then i chased that dream and then that got cut short by injury, um, came back from New Zealand, worked in the city and like, you know, from, from when I was 20, I was like on the mill. Like cold calling recruitment job early, horrendous, horrendous <laughs> times. Yep. And honestly, I had to ride my bike to work because if I got a train, I couldn't afford food. Like it was yeah. that bad. Yeah, um, we've been there. And it, it's like, we have, right? We'll have but it makes jobs. me feel old when, you know, I get... Um, you know, junior people come into organizations and they say how bad stuff is. And I'm like, you don't know. And then I realize I'm old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it's happening to me now as well. I'm trying to work out what that means as well. It's like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I know, right? So, um, so I got to the stage where I was like, right, I, I've, had a, I've had a crazy year. Uh, you know, I've achieved some things. I'm, I'm happy with that. I need to have some time off to work out what's next and, and what I want to do. Uh-huh. And I went over and... Um, my friend whose tour it was was like, look, you're, you're staying with me. Um, use what, you know, use my place as a base in Brisbane. And then I just went off exploring. And there was one particular moment where I got a, I got a camper van and Australia is massive. And I knew it was big, right? But um, I was doing the equivalent of Newquay to Glasgow on single track or on like one lane, each side roads in a Toyota Hiace camper van that I was oh, living in God. every day. Well, you're living in and, it as well. So when you, if you pulled over and you stayed somewhere, that yeah, man, I'd, I'd just rock up. Like, that was me. I'd just open the back and, you know, when I was tired, I'd get a book and read and sleep and, you know, and it was, it, it was incredible. And what yeah. I did on that trip, and this is the most like powerful thing I've done, 
because I've dug it and I, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm big on, on mental health and, and working on it and like truly working on it in the same yeah. way that you'd work on. I want to lose weight. I want to exactly. get bigger arms. So why, I, anyway, I could, I could talk about that to the cows campaign, but anyway, so I, I thought, right, this is, this is an opportunity for me to really dig into yeah. all the different things that I've put off thinking about. Yep. So, you know, relationships that haven't worked, businesses that haven't worked, yep. and, and, I'm, and driving some genuine personal accountability for those things and thinking, okay, all the way down, what, what was it? What was the nucleus of that that caused the, the, the end result at the top? And by going through all of those things, because I had you know, 10 hours a day just sat there. Mate, I was thinking about it, methodically checking it off, and it was amazing. Changed my uh, life, honestly. Uh, changed my life. No, I can appreciate that completely. I mean, so I do a mini version of that every year, if not probably more than once a year. And I started doing it five-ish years ago, but it's got bigger as a task, and it's got more like it's got more process to it, like you said, because I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. So, mental health is something you have to actually physically work on, and it's an iterative process. The more yeah. you do it more you work on it the better you get at it i totally agree with that and i also think when it comes to doing the things you've just said so i've got this like life auditing process which again i do pretty much at the start or end of every year depending on what's going on and then somewhere six months through the year but doing it outside of whatever your regular environment is is so important i find so if you're doing it on that journey i can imagine like you said every day for however many days you it gives you the headspace and the almost like the creative and analytical freedom to think about things in a different capacity that you were able to based on your day to day, even just being in the same space that you live. Cause it's, it's where your shit is, it's where your life is, it's where stuff goes on. Getting out of that world to be able to get into your own head is so critical. Oh, that's awesome that you did that. Um, so how long did that, did that process and how long did that trip go on for? So that, that particular trip was 11 days, I think maybe 12 days. Nice. But like, I was going down to Byron Bay and just Airbnb being a little like sh- like surf shack, um, and and I was doing the same sort of thing, and it's, and there was just no excuse that it you know I couldn't stop thinking about something because I had to be somewhere, I had to address stuff, and I I almost held myself accountable, and I did your um, the review that you say you do like I'm I'm pretty militant about it, so one of the things that I do is a big big rule for me is that you're the sum of the average of the five people you spend the most time with. At the end of every month, I write down the five people who I spent the most time with, and I think about how I feel. That's cool. I like and that. What I've achieved, and if there's someone that's in there that does hasn't contributed to me being the person I want to be, yeah, then I know the people that I need to spend more time with, and I actively spend more time with them. It's if you spend time with dicks, you end up being a dick. Like we all know that. Yeah, <laughs> um, so true. You know. So, and so, you know, sometimes there are times in life when I need my mates who like a beer, so I start spending more time with them because, you know, so. It depends um, on what's going on a lot of the time. I, t- I totally get that as well. Because I, I, I fully agree with that. I think that you, you do end up becoming the sum of the five fish people you're around. And then you, you, people don't think about it in that way. Therefore, you don't necessarily realize, you know, that the actual process of that happening to you. Like you said, if you hang around with a bunch of idiots, you're going to end up acting or being a bunch, like an idiot, effectively. If you hand around with a bunch of intellectuals, potentially you go over intellectual and you go indexing high on that front. And as yeah. you said, Depending on what's going on in your life, yeah, you sometimes you need you need a group of people who are, like you said, just going to have a beer, have a chat, switch off. So that's interesting that you write it down at the end of every month because that's quite yeah. that is that is doing that in a very methodological way, like you said, like that's really thinking about that process, and I I, I think it's cool. Yeah, um, it, it, 
in the age of social media and and you hear people talk about social media all the time right um i've struggled in social media because i genuinely feel all the things that i do talk about Mm. on social media and i'm i'm pretty open and i'm 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 connected to myself more now than I ever have been. And I, I quite like talking about it, but because those are people who just spout crap, I almost don't want to talk about these things because then you just become another one of those people. But um, I genuinely do do all of these things. And it's, it's made me into the person that I've, or it's put me on a journey to be the person that I want to be and to be happy. So, um, you know, all these, and these are things that I've picked up from people as I've, you know, gone down the track and explored and met people. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it feels militant, but it works. No, I get it. I get it. And I get the social media thing. I think we're the generation where you, we all grew up with social media and we had our periods in life where it doesn't happen. It didn't happen if it wasn't on social. And then as we're all approaching late 20s or 30s, you kind of get over that. And then you're saying, well, I, I don't believe that anymore. That's just like complete crap at the end of the day. And then you've got to work out what you are, what you do and don't want to put on social media because we're all aware we're building magazine versions of ourselves at the end of the day. And that's the way I treat social media. It's a magazine of your life, depending on what you want to share. You are your own editor. Um, and I think that some of that stuff, like you said, like, so I go sometimes into periods of posting a lot of stuff about either processes or self-help or, you know, how to be motivated, blah, blah, blah. And then you do it for a bit and you think, okay, well, am I doing this for myself or am I doing it for others? Am I doing it to try and build a profile, whatever it may be? And then you come off it for a bit and you realize that it, there's, there's, there's basically benefits and pros and cons as there is with anything about doing it a lot versus doing it not at all kind of thing or not doing it at all. Sorry. So it's interesting that you say that because I agree, like I've got lots of stuff that I would love to share, but I think that it requires so much work to do that as well. You've got to work out where it fits in your life. Um, and how it fits into your life and what social media is to you as an individual do you want to use it for business or is it personal whatever it may be do you know what i don't know that you do have to work it out I, that, that's the stage i've got to i'm like maybe. i don't really care i don't really care maybe if, if i think if i so years and years and years ago i did a video um before and i, I don't mean to sound like a dick on the stage but before people were talking about it i talked about depression as a, as a rugby player, as someone on, you know, doing well in the city and whatever, I did a, a 15 minute video about my experiences. Yeah. And, um, and I still get people to this day that message me saying, you know, that video really helped me. And when you yeah. say this, it really helps me. So for every one person that's vocal and is negative, there's yeah. probably 10 people that are thinking something positive. So do you know what? Screw that negative person. And one of the big I'm, I'm reading a book at the minute called the madness of crowds and one of the one of the big things that i see at the moment is you have to be on one side or the other yeah um you can't be you can't be centrist you can't you know share views and there's another issue with the fact that people can't have their opinion changed mm-hmm. and it's a really beautiful thing to be able to have your opinion changed and yeah. be like vulnerable in your beliefs because if you're not vulnerable in your beliefs like you're you're actually like you're a shell, like you're an old shell and you can't learn and you can't grow. I if you can't agree. accept other people's points of view and change your mind, then there's no, there's no point in even being there. Life isn't going to be good. So it's interesting you say that. So I'm reading, um, so I, I don't highly, highly love Tony Robbins stuff, but I do like it, some of it. And some of it I don't. Yeah. But I'm reading Awakened Giant Within. And okay. It, it talks you through several several stuff, but one of the things it, it kind of phrases on that front is that 
values are the things that you have as an individual that are probably, they're going to change a little bit, but actually your values by the time you get to late twenties, again, thirties, as long as you've got good intentions, you've got good values that that's going to define you as a person that's going to shape your life. That's going to influence who you meet because you want to meet with people who, who align with your values, generally speaking, yep. and you probably won't meet with people that don't align, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the things that start to stay and they start to cement once you know who you are and what, who you want to be and, and who you actually are. Over time, like you said, your beliefs, your opinions, and pretty much everything else that isn't a value to you, like a real core value, you have to be able to be flexible to, to have a fruitful, thrilling, exciting, passionate, you know, good life, basically. Because like you said, if you stick to an opinion so rigidly about something or you stick to a view, and you're not that you're fundamentally wrong, but you just don't have the flexibility to change that view. You're just going to go on one path and they're going to go on that path forever. And that path could lead you to greatness. It could lead you to whatever at the end of it, but you're never going to go off and experience these other like paths of life effectively. And it's a very like interesting way of thinking about what you've just said, because there are some core things as all human beings have that are fixed to a certain extent, like I say, but unless you're willing to be open about pretty much everything along the journey, um, like you said, you're just not going to enjoy yourself. And actually, you take yourself to some potentially negative places, basically. Yeah, you definitely do. So, um, yeah, I, I got to a stage where I, th- I thought to myself, do I think too much about this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, am, I, am I spending too much time overanalyzing? And, and I go back to my motorbike, right? And um, my motorbike is the most amazing thing because I can't, really think about other stuff when i'm on it because if you hit a motorbike a pothole on a motorbike it's it's game over yeah um, and I, I i get off that bike and, I, and the world floods back into my head so one of the things i have to stop myself doing is over analyzing stuff because i'm on this like path of self-development which i think anybody who's trying to achieve big things you sort of have to be yeah. um so going out on the motorbike gives me a break interesting and reading fiction as well so they're my two things yeah reading fiction um, because it takes you to another place and um, being out on my motorbike gives me the, the sort of the mental break to stop constantly thinking about how can I be better how can I change how can I yeah. learn how can I grow because it, it tires you out man. Oh, you, really can't, you, can't, you can't do it forever I think if you try and become someone who does nothing but that sort of stuff and, you, and the other thing is you just can't be a productive human being and have that mentality 100% of the time because actually it just means you become highly unproductive and mentally unstable so like, I, I agree yeah. for, me, for me like I go on a, I've got a Peloton here and I just, if I want to just completely zone out, like you say, obviously it's different. I'm not going to go on any potholes or whatever, but like if I just want to <laughs> work repetitively on just nothing but getting the best physical experience I can out of that bike for an hour, you just have to switch on to just doing that and everything yeah. else pauses for a bit. Um, Mindfulness. It's great. It is. It's great. Mm. And like for me, like you said, if it's, um, wherever you switch off, like you said, if it's reading fiction, whatever I'm into, obviously like, there's just TV shows and stuff, but going into other worlds for an hour or two, there's nothing wrong with that. In my experience like that, you have to have that downtime. And I think as your brain develops, like if you want to, like you said, do big things, think outside the box or approach things in a different way, your brain actually physically needs to switch off to be able to then switch back on basically and go into whatever task you were doing. Um, so that's yeah, good. It's interesting. You've got that perspective as well. So I've had to. If I haven't done it, things haven't improved. So you've, you've got to be better. Um, and you know, you, it's just, this is why self-help is quite an interesting topic because it's so individual. Mm. Try something if it doesn't work. 
try something else like it's fine um, what do you what do you think about people that really struggle to actually do anything if that makes sense so like i i there's lots of people i've met in my life where they are highly creative or they actually they can do a lot you know they can their their biggest limiting factor basically is actually themselves and much as you talk about these things like how do you think about um because i i mean we're 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 talking and jamming on similar stuff but how do you think about making this whole process of self-help and treating it as a process more accessible and scalable to people um do you do you think about that i don't know it crosses my mind a lot do you know what i I do think about it and there's some you know there's some people in my life that i'm trying to activate to do more and to use the skills that they have to um to really push themselves and to create stuff and so there's there's a couple of things here like empathy is really important Mm -hmm. um and one of the challenges that i have is that i'm just like right that's done like, let's make it happen. I'm not messing around. Why can't it be done by the end of the day? If yeah. you really want to go at something and you really want to sort something out, it can be done today. Yeah. Like, hour-long meetings, for example, 15 minutes. If, if you can't, if, if the right group of people are in the room and they're, and they're prepared in the right way, it's got to be, like a, like, a problem with national, like, defense if you can't sort it out in 15 minutes, in my view. Like, so 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 that whole like just get shit done type thing is 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 great in that it helps me get shit done but it also um makes me lack empathy for people that are like i've been thinking about this idea for six months yeah and digging a level deeper about why and and the nervousness that people have about um you know failure and all that sort of stuff is is a really interesting one so it's it's super individual and the more i recognize that it's super individual the more I look at mentoring. Mm-hmm. So there's a friend of mine who's got a business called Elevate, which is a mentoring business. Um, and it's absolutely flying. And I think mentoring is the way out of this. Mm. You know, it's not scalable to your point, but pairing people up, yep. you know, someone that's had a ton of ideas and gone from not being able to activate them to activate them. Yep. Pairing them two people together is really good. And it's it, it, tons of tons of instances you see square peg round hole and yeah. you know there's one person try you know someone's mate trying to force their other mate to do stuff it's just like they're not them two people aren't compatible yeah. so, so yeah. it's never going to mix so um finding people who can help you that are on your wavelength i'd say is the key thing to like unpicking some of the like deep rooted challenges that you have to move things forward would be my that's a good good way of thinking about it yeah because i think you can read you want to read about this stuff there's tons of the stuff on the internet and you can follow people on twitter you can do whatever you like on all that stuff but i mean that's a really good good way of thinking about it because i mean i've always had mentors and i've mentored people like you've had both ways it's by far on both whether you're whether you're getting mentored or mentoring someone one of the most satisfying processes not just because you're giving people knowledge and sharing information but you're also seeing this person develop um, and hopefully in a positive way. So I think that's good. I, I think a lot of people as well don't treat that as a formal process, even in their own head as well. Like when you say mentoring, some people see it as, oh, we might have a coffee once or twice a year and have a bit of a chat. That's not what a mentor is. You have to have some guidelines about what you're discussing, like some mini agendas, what you're trying to tackle, what you're trying to overcome. And I think you're right on the matching of the person. I think a lot of people don't think and hard enough about that. Like you, you, I've, I mean, even I've done it. I've had mentors that, you know, have worked for a couple of months. Then you think actually this isn't going in the right direction. So I'm just going to, going to cut this off. But like, 
matching the people so that you're matching people on like I said values but also the challenges you're facing the fact that they've been on that journey um, or a train to deal with that issue is, is also critical I would think. yeah I'd say so for sure mm-hmm. so going back to like uh, the journey then so when you've gone through all this stuff like you've launched several brands as I understand it so talk us through a couple of the like the most exciting ones um Follow one the, of the exciting follow the CBE one for example because I yeah so 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 Seance is a um, is a business that will allows and will continue to allow um, influencers and celebrities to create a CBD brand and CBD is I use it every day because my body's a mess <laughs> from from running into people for years <laughs> um, but. The snake oil thing and the, you know, flogging, you know, bad quality products, um, exists and there's no education. So, um, we've got a product that we know is amazing. Um, and you know, there was a guy who I met in March and I let him try some of our CBD, which is what we let people rebrand. Right. Um, and he'd had a CBD marketplace for seven years. He was one of the first people in the UK. So, so um, and he was like, where'd you get that? And when I hear things like that, I'm like, cool, you know, that's great. Yeah. You know. um, so yeah, so so there's that part. The, the other part is distribution agreements. So um, we've got a Europe-wide distribution agreement for one of the biggest CBD brands that exists, and we hold that um, under the group as well. So that's that's an interesting business. It's been it's been hurt because of covid yeah of course yeah um importing products into the uk because our labs in the us that's obviously yeah yeah yeah, that's obviously tough um but it fits in well with catalyst so you see all all the things that i do uh, i sort of sit in the middle and i'm like right okay like because i know these people this thing works because i know these people this thing works yeah um so do you effectively launch the brands with other people and you provide consultancy services, whatever it may be. So you become co-owner, if you like, of that business in some capacity. Most of these deals, I would imagine. Yeah. So, so we, so with. yeah. So an equity stake and a profit share um, okay. is the way that we work these out. Yeah. Um, because the other thing is, for example, if you take Catalyst, like the connections that I've got at, um, I don't know, at Inditex, and at, you know these big fashion and Arcadia, like. I can get these businesses both onto the onto the brands, uh, sorry, onto the like platforms, but also um, if there's acquisition potential for for brands, then that makes um, sense. yeah, I'll open them up. So yeah, it's good fun. And then what's going on right now? My focus is so Sounds is still is still going. Chenflow is my consultancy business. Positive Outlook Clothing, which is um, a sustainable cool. uh, clothing brand, which I you know I love the, the founder and the team, and I, I sort of help them. Um, but I've got a business that goes live on Friday, which is, it's me and a chap who, um, is at a major record label and we are booking, it's an agent, a DJ agency. Nice. Sounds Just good. chug out on the pile. Um, <laughs> but basically if you, if you're a bar or restaurant or a hotel, mm-hmm. particularly a chain, there's nowhere to really go to book a DJ, a good one. Interesting. So, um, so we've set that up and the focus is bars, restaurants, hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first clients, we go live on Friday, but the first clients are signed. We've got 35 DJs signed onto the roster. Um, wow. And the first client signed and it's, there's four locations in London, three nights a week, a DJ in each. We're curating playlists for them. So 
it's like a DJ so, marketplace, basically, to a certain extent. It's, do you know what? Do you know what? It's, it's an agency in its, in its sort of old school form. We'll put yeah. the right DJs into the right places, but the, like big record labels and stuff don't have CRMs. They don't have any automation of their processes, right? Really? Seriously, seriously. What is everything written right. on a piece of paper somewhere or something like it's that? It's Excel sheets, and it's who you know, and it's the hu- So what I'm doing is I'm overlaying the human element with some pretty basic in the world that you and I are in, but pretty basic processes yeah. to automate everything. Oh, um, yeah. So um, so that's that, which is cool. That's, that's very gonna, cool. I like that. Yeah, that's going to do really well. And so the second half of it is, um, so there's the DJs and like booking side mm-hmm. and then there's the event side. So the chap I'm doing it with has run stages at Glastonbury. He's run his own festivals of like 20,000 people. Nice. So we're going to do brand activations mm-hmm. that are mini festivals for influencers. That's cool. Who have brands. That's I happen cool. to know a few influencers yeah, who have yeah, brands. Yeah. Because um, so there's one that we're speaking to at the minute. He's got, he's got like, his brand's got like 600K. He's got like 4 million followers. And his next line he wants to do is a mini festival. No. So like a thousand people, you know. So you see how all these things are starting to, starting to fit together. Ice together. Um, so then the other, um, and I suppose this is my big bet, um, is because, I, <laughs> so this is something we haven't talked about, my involvement in PPE during COVID. Right. Um, dude, I spoke with everyone from the Vatican, to the CIA, to the guy that runs Carlos Slim's family money, to like hectic. So through True Altitude, which is a consulting business that I'm a shareholder of, yeah, um, we were involved in chartering planes to um, to open up blockages of getting yeah. stuff from A to B. Interesting. And people were like, "Oh, I trust you. Do you know anyone who's got this product?" Or, "Oh, I've got this product and I trust you. Do you know anyone who buy it?" So I sort of got dragged into that whole world, and Connection. I shut myself out a couple of weeks ago. But um, as part of that, uh, I figured that there was some inefficiencies in B2B e-com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've pulled together a team of people, including somebody who's you know, the digital advisor to Gymshark. Like I've got a really great team Good of network. people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're, um, we're building a business now. Two-day workshops last week. Um, all the experience journeys are happening now. Um, and it's going to be like the B2B e-com market is 19 trillion by the end of next year. Like it's utterly enormous. Mm. Um, and there's a ton of people like fraud's a big thing in that. Um, like if you go on Alibaba, it's basically a contact form. Yeah. Like it's like, Next Hey, I want t-shirts. Cool. Can someone who's got t-shirts give me a ring? Like yeah. it's, it's not much more than that. Yeah. Um, so in payments and in product verification, there's a ton of businesses that have, that are raising and have raised in the last two months yeah. um, to help build software to get rid of that fraud. Cause it's 200 billion is the estimate for the fraud in B2B marketplaces next year. So t- um, give me an example of what a, f- a fraudulent transaction would be just so I understand that the, like one example of all that, how that works, how big that problem so is. So counterfeiting. So like the product isn't real. That's one. Um, a business doesn't even really exist. So they ask for deposits and then they disappear. Oh, like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, it's, that, it's, a, it's the Wild West. Okay. Like, like yeah, B2B okay. e-commerce is the Wild West. And then just you look at, uh, for example, a business like Miracle, mm-hmm. M-I-R-A-K-L, I'm sure you know. Um, they're launching 400 B2B marketplaces this summer. Everything from, like, helicopter parts to supplements businesses. Seriously, B2B e-commerce is enormous. Um, when you say B2B so, e-commerce, what do, what do you mean by B2B? Like... 
selling yeah. products. So let's say, let's say for example, so content calendar wants is, you know, registers as a buyer yeah. on a marketplace yeah. because content calendar wants to buy office supplies. Uh, to be fair, buying them from a business. I'm with you. So we were going to buy some branded merch, to be fair, and, and make sure it's organically sourced and all the rest of it. So take I that can help with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'll just put you into the right people, mate. It's, not yeah. for, it's never for my gain. My gain always comes like five years later when later. I've got a favor to call in, which is great. Yeah. Um, so that's a B2B transaction. That's B2B right. Interesting. Um, Interesting. So yeah, we're... Um, subscription model um yeah we'll, we'll talk more about it in in the coming weeks but yeah. um yeah that's my uh yeah that's my next my next big, big move next i suppose big, yeah well it never fails to amaze me i mean the interesting thing is there's so much opportunity for software like some of the stuff you said i mean software has got so much more ridiculous levels of growth to come and a lot of it is about accessibility, ease of use, setup, and stuff like that. But like some of those examples you've just used, the things that you know, someone who's not in the ecom industry, I, uh, or the fact that a record label doesn't have some kind of CRM, like uh, just a, I'm like, sure some do, but some I'm sure, but some don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's not like anything. Some people have a social media tool, marketing tool. Some people don't, as we know. I know that every day. But like the size and scope of. Um, you know, modernizing businesses because there's all the whole uh, digital, whatever it is, coming with the phrase. Transformation. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. That that has a long way to go with the, these legacy businesses. But I think the thing is, is that people assume that businesses that are started today are digitally set up to be the most efficient they can be, and actually they, they almost never are. Exactly. Yeah. And you can have a lot. I mean, to your point around snake oil stuff, like there's a lot of bad advice in this space. There's a lot of really, really bad advice on technology resourcing like you said suppliers there's a yeah. whole industry in that so because you know the way we consume media i'm sorry to jump in there but the way that we consume media is the reason there's bad advice mm. because you can be an expert mm. in anything in half an hour the masterclass series there you go you and i were talking about that only a couple of weeks ago yeah like that's a microcosm of the bigger piece you somebody can read something and then the problem becomes okay well i've read something so i feel as though i'm an expert and you can't change my opinion on that yeah, it's dangerous. It's very dumb. Mm, I mean, it's, it, it, no, it is. I agree. I mean, and also verifying these people is tough as well. Like whenever I have to say one thing that I've really upped on is when we take on new suppliers or new people at Content Cal, we vet the living shit out of them. Like we really, really go deep on, do you actually know what you're talking about? Not because we've had that many bad experiences, but, and also I think there's a gut feeling thing that you know if someone's bullshit, but like yeah, yeah, not yeah. everyone has that to be fair. So I agree. Like you, you can you can become an expert at a very surface level, so you can talk about things. And if you're good at sales, suddenly you can build a business out of it to whatever yeah. size I think you can. Yeah, and and people just regurgitate the same bit of spiel that they have about you know um, yeah. asking questions, mate. It not only makes you an interesting person, but you'll also find out a ton if you ask the right questions. So and not true. enough people do that because so they want to talk about their story. So, so true. Um, La the, the last thing I wanted to talk about with you is your like fitness side of your life because I, mm -hmm. I know that you've been like you said you've been big big into rugby but for me from what again following on Instagram like you're always fitness seems like it's a core part of your life right so just talking about that like what what role does it play within your life um it's a habit first and foremost and I'm, I'm sort of lucky that it's a habit and if I don't train for a couple of days um I get the itch, you know, I just really want to, I really want to be training. Mm -hmm. um, 
the, the role that it plays in my life is 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 a mental one, mm-hmm. um, and it, you know the, the link between strong and positive mental health and exercising is proven and oh, yeah. consistent, and I think we all we all benefit from it. Um, so that's it. I think the a lot of, a lot of, I, one of the things I get asked quite a bit is how do you manage to balance the amount of work you do yeah. with being able to exercise. And the, the honest answer is because I want to. And yeah. if you want to do anything, you can do it. And I really do mean that. If you, if you want to build a business that ends up being this, you can definitely do it. Yeah. And like that confidence, you have to have that confidence. So if I've, got, um, if I've got a lot on, all I do is I block out my diary. And I say, at this time, I'm uncontactable. I'm just going to go and I'm going I'm to do my training. And um, excuses and reasons with a lie attached is one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Um, you can make excuses not to train, um, but it's a reason that has a lie on it. Yeah. Um, and it's usually just that you're being lazy. That's so true. It's so true. I've definitely learned. So the exercise thing later in life, I have always exercised on and off. So I'm not, I definitely am not in the same bracket as you, but like certainly again, as you get older and as your body changes and as you have, like you said, more on your plate, you need this, like outlook which is not mentally draining but it's physically it is mentally you know it's doing something for you like i said if i do an hour on the bike it's as much a mental challenge as it is a physical one but like yeah it allows you to zone into just that as you say and just completely switch off from all the other things that are going on and just gives you that i don't know there's nothing better than the endorphin release basically of doing a really good like training session whatever it may be you know the mad thing is endorphins are like a free drug and the drug the side effects to the drug if you're going to call them side effects yeah are that you're healthier yeah and you live a longer healthier and happier life and you feel better yeah i know so they're, they're free and they make you healthier and there's no negative side effects i mean where's the let's, let's get a load of those where's let's get a load of those exactly yeah, exactly it's great so yeah absolutely absolutely key mate and um, it'll always be the same and when i've had injuries you know have my face rebuilt have my hands rebuilt or my shoulder rebuilt which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I've had all of those things. Um, even then, I've been on a static bike. <laughs> you know, there's metal in my face. I think, you know, getting a sweat on it. And, um, and that's helped. And I've, I've, it's a habit. And if everybody can make it a habit, it's a really, really positive thing. Um, so, yeah, mate. It's good. Very key. It's good, man. Well, listen, I could talk for hours. Uh, and I think we'll do the, yeah, <laughs> the question on that front. That, that has gone real quick. Um, it's been great to catch up, great to chat. And I think you're doing, I mean, you're doing many big things. So it's exciting. And I think if we, we should check in again, six months, whatever, however long, and just have another catch up. Because I think we, like you said, we're talking about some really interesting stuff. And I, people who have started following this podcast, so I, I launched it. I mean, I've always wanted to do something in content creation, but didn't know quite what. And then lockdown has just given me more time. And then this is the right format, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but the listenership has been fascinating because there's this mix of entrepreneurial type characters, but there's also just people either both of us will probably know actually. Uh, and also just lots of people who just follow me on social and stuff like that. But the types of subjects we're covering people, the messages I get, people were like, they're really resonating with some of the stuff that we've talked about. So particularly the mental strength, physical, how that all entwines with work and life and the complications. Because like people who will listen are all going through the same stuff. And I think, I mean, you and I, we won't like proclaim to be experts in anything. We, we know what we're talking about, as you said. But that doesn't mean to say we've got everything figured out. And that's often the perception of people who are entrepreneurial from the outside in. Um, in yeah, outside in? Outside in. 
But yeah, I don't know. It's good to jam. Dude, dude, this, dude, it is really good to talk to you. And do you know what? The second you think you know it all is, is like I say, that's when you're done. Um, and there's a reason you and I listen to podcasts and probably the reason that um, some people might find this interesting is probably some of the stuff that we've just taken from other people and applied to ourselves. A hundred percent. We're all stealing so, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And a little bit of individual spice on top of it, I suppose, helps. But, exactly. No. Um, yeah, man, wicked talk and, and, and well done for getting, the, uh, getting it up and running, mate. An idea is one thing, but execution is another. So good on you. Good man. Appreciate it, Liam. Cheers. Sweet. Nice one, dude.